This program is not censored. Consider yourself warned. Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's a good part, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads. With Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. Streets of Amber. Oh, is that what we're doing now? We're just like coming right in and saying the title of the Streets of Amber, written by young novice screenwriter Sean Allen McBee. Ooh, don't use the middle name. An unfinished script. That is what it says. Yes. On the cover page I made for it a couple weeks ago. So this is going to be another speed read, everybody. The, uh, that's what, our, that's what our, our audience should be. The people that love just these episodes, they're the speed freaks. Okay, no, they're the read freaks. Because it's not table reads, it's speed read. So they're the read freaks. Or since it's table reads, they no, should I mean, all I'm, be read freaks. Everybody that, listens, that likes our show is a read freak. There you go. All right. Trevor's named our fan. The reads. The read freaks. Um, so... Uh, we, this one's going to be a bit longer than our last speed read because it's A, eight pages, and B, there's actually some backstory to tell and shit. Is there? Yeah, dude. You're involved in this. You know what? Uh, yeah, you keep saying that, and I've, I've, I've never really... I guess you're right. I guess I am kind of. I'll, I'll tell the story. I remember it. Buster's distinctly. Buster's a part of the story too, actually. And I can narrow it down to an exact weekend. The lost weekend. No. I know. Um. <clears throat> so uh, I was in Orlando visiting Trevor. And hold on, let me let me narrow this down to a weekend real quick talk for a second narrowing it down to a weekend oh so you actually have a like a time step somewhere no you're looking up well this is very uh this is the this is the uh less impactful part of the show so let's put something hugely impactful oh yes okay so i was visiting you in orlando when you were Going to or have re- had recently gone to Full Sail. Yeah. And it was um, 2001 in early August. Mm. Be- and I remember this because uh, the radio kept talking about how it was Louis Armstrong's 100th birthday. Ah. So you just did a little bit of math there and figured out how old Louis Armstrong is now or would be now if he was still alive. I just looked up his birthday, yeah. which is August 4th, 1901. So, so it was at the beginning of August. Yeah, beginning of August 2001. Uh, we were going around. Uh, we were walking around Orlando, and I remember we walked around uh, the downtown area where they have that like those really cool architectural buildings. There's one that's like very Art Deco. Looks like you could stick an eagle on it and use it as a Nazi building in a movie. Um, a movie about Nazis, presumably. Yes. <laughs> or like wouldn't uh, work on Benji Three or something. 
No, not so much. Although Unless... that would be the only Benji movie I would watch. Is one where he fights <laughs> Benji Nazis. Benji versus the Nazis. <laughs> yes, Nazis. I would absolutely watch that. <laughs> Man. That'd be great. And they have their own secret dog weapon. Air Luftwaffe. <laughs> or Luftwaffe Bud, I guess it would be. Luftwaffe. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, that's a little off topic. Uh, we were walking around that area, and I was saying that I really wanted to write something, but I didn't have any ideas. Story of our young lives, by the way. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm out of ideas. I don't have anything right now. And this was when I would visit you like almost every weekend. Yeah, and yeah. I drove up to Orlando from Sarasota like constantly. In fact, the last uh, quick read or speed read that we did, you mentioned a girl named Julie, and she was one of the people you brought up with me with you one weekend to to visit me. Did I? Yeah, because that's when she freaked the fuck out about my eyebrows. Oh, that's right. She cried because you didn't have eyebrows. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. She thought I had cancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, she just thought you looked really horrific. I did. And she I was did. right. She was. She was right. I mean, so horrific, in fact. That I made a website yeah. dedicated to giving you eyebrows with a flash interface. Yep. And to this day, losing the SWF file for that is one of my greatest regrets in life. Like, I so wish I still had that. Yeah, a lot of people do because, you know, a lot of our friends found great joy in that because it was like, it was my face. I don't know what the picture was from, but it was a picture of my face and you kind of. Uh, Mr. Potato headed it. Yeah, I, I made like several different kinds of eyebrows to put on you, and cigarettes, then, and then uh, there was like a monocle, yeah, and different mustaches and beards, yeah, Hitler mustache even, and there was uh, there was like cigarettes, some glasses, and like a a, a Burgess Meredith yeah. cigarette holder cigarette. Yep, and there was a pipe too, like a wind, like a Sherlock Holmes pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you just drag it over, and, st- and I, I learned like how to use flash just so I could make that. Like I learned oh, how to, really? I learned how to use interactive flash just to make that. So the people could drag different accoutrement onto your face. Man, <laughs> that was so much fun. Anyway, yeah, she cried. She clapped her hands over her mouth and cried. Very sensitive flower that Julie. What I yeah, what I can't remember is that Nick's wasn't there yet. No. I think this was while you were still at Full Sail. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, we were walking around downtown, and you told me a story about how you were at a diner in Santa Monica. With Buster. With Buster, who's asleep on the couch behind us. And uh, you saw in the diner... Sitting at the bar. It was a norms for the record. Oh. Um, a cop, like a uniformed beat cop, mm-hmm. older guy, sitting there with some kid just wearing a white t shirt and grass stained jeans. Yep. Yeah. And they were just sitting next to each other, having breakfast. Yeah. And you had no idea what their story was. He had a skateboard but it with him. Intrigued too. You. He had a skateboard with him. I don't know if you told me that detail, but maybe we'll see. I haven't read this script in and I don't, years that, and years. That's the thing. I don't remember telling you the story. What I remember is the visual. It was very striking. You know, just oh, to, that's all you told me yeah. was the visual was yeah. the visual and that you had always, you know, wanted to hear the story about how that happened. Yeah. It looked like a the opening shot of a interesting movie. Yeah. You know. And it is. Yeah. I mean it's Or it could have been. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the opening shot of a script that hoped to one day be an interesting movie. Yeah. And this script is eight pages because it just ends. I stopped writing it. There is no real ending. And you people just need to accept that. Fade in. Interior. Small diner. Morning. Less than a dozen people inhabit the diner as the sun breaks over the horizon, sending its rays sluggishly through the smoke of morning cigarettes. Frozen it up, McBee. See, your ability to write has gotten better, but the understanding that good writing doesn't have any fucking place in the directions right. hasn't. Right. <laughs> um, most of these patrons have little more in front of them than a cup of coffee, and no one is indulging in conversation at this early hour. Sitting at the counter with full breakfasts in front of them are a middle-aged, uniformed police officer and a boy of about 13. Both are a bit dirty, with bags under their eyes. The officer idly scratches his five o'clock shadow and, looking at the boy, solemnly rustles the boy's short hair. Above them is a chalkboard informing... Okay, pay close attention to this. I, I tried to do something fancy, Uh-oh. and I don't know if it reads well, but I, I do remember this. Above them is a chalkboard informing the customers as to what Wednesday's breakfast specials are. Wednesday's breakfast specials. A man in the back coughs on his cigarette, back when you could smoke in restaurants. Yeah, right. A man in the back coughs on his cigarette and downs the last of his coffee. In fact, in, in L.A. at this point, you couldn't. Mm. And it already started. Uh, at the table behind him, a fat man in a wrinkled business suit hurriedly eats his bacon and eggs. In the far corner. So uh, just to say how I was picturing this. You're trying to describe the whole room. Yeah. It starts on, on the cop and the kid. And then it moves around to the left and starts like just going around um, uh, deer hunter style. Oh, Remember that shot yeah, when they're yeah. all just staring at each other, yep. knowing that they're shipping out the next morning? Yep. Like that, it's going around and we're seeing these people in one continuous shot and uh, it's going to come back around. So, uh, man in a wrinkled business suit hurriedly eats his bacon and eggs. In the far corner, an old woman cradling a cup of coffee fights to keep from dozing off. Finally, back at the counter, the police officer, Frank, is sitting alone. He is now clean-shaven, and though his eyes drop a bit, droop. there are no oh, droop a bit, there are no bags under them. The chalkboard above his head informs customers as to what Tuesday's breakfast specials are. We were trying to show that we were going back in time a day. Yes. Mm, aren't you clever? So we start with the end of the movie, basically. Mm. And then we go back 24 hours. And then we're going to tell the story of how they got there. And rather than, you know, just put it in plain English <laughs> with scene headings and stuff like that. Oh, also, I just now remembered. Um, I really wanted Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles to play some key role in this Good movie. Good luck with that. Well, it would have been a cover, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to be Frank? You sound like a Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> He's not uh, clean Tuesdays, shaven. Yeah. Uh, the chalkboard above his head informs customers is what Tuesday's breakfast specials are. Tuesdays. Tuesday. Frank finishes up his breakfast and throws in a couple dollar and throws a couple dollars on the counter as he stands. He waves to the waitress. Good night, Sharon. You have a good one. You too, hon. Sleep well. Frank makes his way out and drives off in his police cruiser. Exterior, Frank's apartment building. Morning. 
establishing shot as Frank parks his cruiser and goes up to his apartment. Interior, Frank's apartment, morning. Frank enters the apartment, a small one-bedroom walk-up. Clothes make their home upon the floor. Clothes make their home upon the floor. There are clothes on the floor, Uh, McBee. Jesus. (laughs) Clothes make their home upon the floor in various places, and there's a stack of dishes in the sink. There, that's how you do that. Mm -hmm. There's a stack of dishes in the sink. Yeah. You're setting the mood. Not the sadness of this character (laughs) is represented by the Jenga-like pile of Dirty dishes. Exactly. There's a stack of dishes in the yeah, sink. We get it. Thank you. you. You started that sentence off real bad, and then you. It's like you got tired first... of your own bullshit while writing it. <laughs> the second half really, really, you know, showed the first half how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> On the walls are various framed certificates of achievements and photos of him alongside a pretty blonde woman about his age, and a much younger blonde woman. He pushes a button on his phone that mechanically informs him that he has no messages. Because this is 2001, y'all. No messages, Will Robinson. You have no messages, probably. Which is how we read it in that Highlander script. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he turns as he hears a loud meow behind I'm glad that I didn't put that in dialogue, by the way. Yeah, right. The answering machine, you have no messages. Yeah. It just says... You would have in, in it, the earlier time. Yeah. yeah. It mechanically informs him he has no messages. Good job. He turns as he hears... A loud meow behind him. He kneels down and pets his cat, who's rubbing against his leg. <laughs> it's his wife, and she's out of her mind. <laughs> hey there, Johnson. Hey, Johnson. Yeah, I named her after Chuck Jones's childhood cat. Hey there, fucking John- deep cut for you. There you go. Hey there, Johnson. You didn't throw a party while I was at work, did you? Johnson answers with a timid meow as Frank stands back up. <laughs> well, next time, make sure you clean up after your friends, okay? Frank grunts as Johnson pads off to a random resting place without a reply. Like a cat. Yeah. Going back into the bedroom, Frank steps over a pile of clothes to get to the closet, where he gingerly hangs his uniform as he undresses for bed. Climbing into bed, Frank takes note of the clock. 7.08 a.m. He closes his eyes. Cut to... Wait a minute, I'm sorry. uh, You don't need that for those. Cut to... Exterior, school, morning. A school bus pulls into the line with all the others, and as the doors open, students begin to pour out. Among them is Scott, the boy from the diner. He walks off and immediately goes over to two boys standing and talking to a girl. This sounds really ominous right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They are Jason, Todd, and Kelly. Oh, my God. Jason, Todd. And Kelly. They're all named after Robin. (laughs) Jason Todd was a Robin and Carrie yeah. Kelly was yeah. a Robin. In uh, Dark Knight or um, Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns, yeah. Wow. Real subtle, McBee. <clears throat> so Scott says, What's up, guys? The three tilt their heads in the direction of a tall man in a suit and tie who is looking directly at them. Mr. Bradley's watching us like a hawk, man. He's a dick. Dude, we have to skip now. He knows we're going to, though. So what? I say we skip just because he thinks he's going to stop oh, wait. us. Am I, I'm Jason and Todd? Okay, I guess so. Wait, right. oh, are you? Yeah, because I did Jason's line too. Hmm. Um, that sounds like us in high school. What? Skipping school just because a teacher is watching us to see if we skip school. Yeah, that's true, yeah. The other three nod their assessment. Wait, yeah. I got to say the line. I did. Who's Scott? You said that? Yeah. So what? I say we skip just because he thinks he's going to stop us. 
The other three nod their assent and begin to walk away from Mr. Bradley, who follows them. The kids walk in between some portable classrooms, turning corners. We, we fucking location scouted this, you remember? We did? Yeah, we drove all over Orlando. We were going to shoot it in Orlando. Mm. And we drove all over Orlando, and we like walked around on this school, on this middle school Holy campus. shit, I do remember that. Yeah. With the delusions of fucking just... Yeah, we had a composition notebook and we were like fucking we're taking like, notes on on our location scout. We were like, we can get this school. <laughs> we'll just ask them. Yeah. Um, well, you were going to Full Sail. I think we were going to use that. Like, yeah. Oh, it's a Full Sail student film. You'll let That's us do point, anything, yeah. right? Yeah, we probably would have gotten away with it if that was the case. If it hadn't been for those damn kids and their idiot dog. Booby <laughs> <laughs> Uh the kids walk in between some portable classrooms, turning corners here and there and throwing glances over their shoulders. They turn one last corner and see the street up ahead. Jason looks back. We lost him, man. Let's go. As they take a collective step forward, Mr. Bradley steps out in front of them. I think you kids better get up to your classes before I write you up. Jason, being in the front of the group, speaks up. Eat a big one. Jason can... A big one. What a tough cookie he is, man. <laughs> <laughs> no one's fucking with that kid. <laughs> That's right. Jason continues to walk forward right past Mr. Bradley. After a moment's reflection, the others follow suit. <laughs> reflection. <laughs> Should we? <laughs> they had a big strokey beard meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bradley holds a hand out in front of Jason, who is still advancing. You can't touch me. Excuse me, young man, but I'm the vice principal, and no, he's right. It's against the law for you to touch a student. Yeah, saw it on TV. No, I'm Kelly. <laughs> I'll be Kelly. Okay. Yeah, saw it on TV. Todd nods, looking a little uncertain. If you kids set foot off this campus, you'll all be suspended. Good. Save us the That's trouble. That's me. I was Scott earlier. No, I've always been Scott. Oh. You're Jason and oh, Todd. Oh, I was Todd. That's right, Todd. Sorry. Good. Save us the trouble of skipping. The foursome laugh and walk off campus, giving Mr. Bradley the finger in, in quotation marks for some reason. The what is finger. this finger of which you speak? <laughs> as soon as they set foot across the street, as they give Mr. Bradley the, the finger, finger. <laughs> again, he lifts a walkie-talkie to his mouth. Shit, he's calling the SRO. That kid's really deep voice for 13. <laughs> Shit, he's calling the SRO. That kid's really clown voice for any age. <laughs> The four, as one, run off as quickly as their legs will carry them. Well, we didn't think they were going to go faster. (laughs) (laughs) Exterior residential street. Moments later. The children come to a rest, laughing and panting, their hands on their knees while they catch their breath. I told you he wouldn't stop us. They start walking now, in no hurry, when a police car pulls around the corner ahead of them. Shit! The kids turn and run through someone's yard and between two houses, hardly even risking glances over their shoulders. They zigzag through a few blocks like this. A few blocks. This is a long sequence. It's a a lot of zigzagging, too. (laughs) And turning a corner, see a police car turning down the street toward them. They turn around to run back and see the other police car on the other side of the block, leaving them only one option. Wow. These, These kids fucking America's most wanted right here. (laughs) Two of them? It's my line. Oh, you're right. Two of them? 
Jason looks at them from the top of a picket fence. <laughs> Apparently, Todd, for one line, is old Biff from Back to the Future 2. <laughs> Of them. <laughs> Flying DeLorean. Haven't seen one of those in 30 years. <laughs> I'm 13. That's weird. <laughs> Jason looks at them from the top of a picket fence. Just climb, stupid. They all jump the fence and, running across the yard, jump the next fence. Then they spot their savior, a rusty, decrepit tool shed. The kind of which you might find Margot Kidder behind, <laughs> naked. <laughs> That's a weird reference, but all right. Because she was. Yeah, we know. I think people know that, don't they? About Margot spending a week in downtown LA with the fucking homeless. Uh, at, the, at the height of her fucking career. <laughs> uh, uh, decrepit tool shed. They squeeze their way in through an opening at the bottom of the chained doors. Interior tool shed moments later. The inside of the shed is very dark. Some tools highlighted by dots of light shining in through holes that have rusted through the thin metallic walls and ceiling. They run past a man who is trying to compose something. Huh? Arthur Two Sheds Jackson. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's a shed. The group's panting can be heard in the darkness. Ooh. Nice. Three guys and one girl. It's getting hot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can be heard in the darkness, and after a few moments, footsteps in the grass out sh- outside the shed behind become evident. Jesus, I can't read. <laughs> I came this way. I saw them jump the fence. I'll check the next yard over. You check that shit. Crap. That was Todd, by the way, not Jason. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized I'm doing the same voice for both characters. The shed door rattles loudly. The children sit in silence. Make a rattle. Yeah, that's good. It's locked. I'm going to check around front. He's a stormtrooper. That yeah. one's locked. <laughs> Move on to the next one. <laughs> stormtroopers are That is the stormtrooper's line, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The officer's footsteps fade into the distance, and the children sit in silence. Exterior tool shed continuous. There is no movement except for the slight rustling of leaves on trees as the wind blows lazily through them. <laughs> The wind is so lazy. <laughs> Jesus, douchebag. <laughs> douchebag McBee, screenwriter. Interior, tool shed, continuous. The children sit silent for another few seconds until, finally, Kelly leans over and pulls the bottom of the door back, revealing the gap they had come in through. I don't see them. She looks back at the others. Exterior, residential street, Moment later. moments later. The kids cautiously peek around the corner of a house. The street is empty. They come out. Exchanging knowing glances, they casually walk out, grinning all the while. Knowing glances. Yeah, we got out. Yeah, we're good, man. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Those cops will never find us. (laughs) (laughs) Exterior, highway, day. The four kids walk down the road without so much as a glance behind them. A cop car passes them on the road, but they pay it no mind, as it does not slow or or seem to notice them. And it does not slow or seem to notice them. So what are we going to do? This is boring. Better than school, isn't it? But I'm hungry. There's a Burger King right up the road. We'll go there. Yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, wait, we don't have any money, do we? Looks like you didn't think that one out too well. Scott sighs. Janine would have played her. No, they were all younger than us. That's true. Like we were college age at this point, and yeah. they're 13. Good point. 
but I think they're based. I think she's based on Janine. Yeah. Scott sighs. I have money, enough to get us all a burger anyway. Jason quickens his pace, stepping ahead of the group. What are we waiting for then? Interior, Burger King, day, because you can just do that. You just, for your tiny independent film, shoot shoot it at at Burger Burger King. King. Yeah. Yeah. Todd Scott, you know, I guess I didn't really know this, you know, know that about locations and stuff until much more recently. But, but now working in the industry and m- a lot of my job having to do with covering up yeah. what businesses really are, right. uh, it seems ridiculous. Yeah. Todd Scott and Kelly munch on fry or burger, taking occasional sips of milkshake. Whatever shake. the Burger King we're shooting in is willing to give us for free. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yes. Taking occasional sips of milkshake as they listen to Jason with a burger in a hand that gestures with wide movements, relating a story. So a Tarantino character, basically. <laughs> yeah. I look down, and the guy's running back the same way he came. So I run over the edge of the park. Oh, my God. This is our story. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is a story that really happened to Trevor and I. So I run over to the edge of the parking garage to see where he's running to, and I don't see him anywhere. So I was like, this guy's going to come kill us or something. And I look at Josh, and I said, we got to run now. And for once in his life, he listened, and we ran down the stairs on the other side. Okay. So we get halfway down, and we see this group of eight guys running through the garage, and we're just like, oh, shit. Then one of them stops and yells, there they are! So we took off running, running down the stairs as fast as we could, and they led us to this little alley and a wall. Oh, sh... Oh, you're... T- you're s- no, I'm Scott. Okay. Oh, shit! Yeah, oh, shit is right. <laughs> So we were trapped. So Josh, he picks up this rod that was leaning there, and I picked up a pole. Okay, went, this this is where this it gets is, different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, go, I I don't know how I left out that they they didn't just yell there they are. <laughs> he said there they are, get them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So Josh, he picks up this rod that was leaning there, and I picked up a pole. And when the guys came around the corner, we wailed into them. Got about five. We got about five of them, and the other three just bolted. I tell you, after that, no one in that area fucked with us again. (laughs) That's that's how we wanted it to go. That's me doing a little, like, revisionist history, like, fantasy role play with my script. Jesus. Jason leans back, taking a casual bite out of his burger. For a moment, the other three remain silent until Scott speaks up. That's awesome. That's bullshit. Yeah. I could even kick Josh's ass. She could kick your ass too, Jason. You didn't beat up five guys. The end. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's literally... as far as I got. All right. So I guess it is the end. So no jokes. The end. idea where that scene was going when you were writing it no but i was uh, just noticing how funny it is that they're eating burgers and the last words are five guys ah five guys burgers and fries which was not a thing that i was aware of back then if it existed at all yeah so um i did have more of a story planned out do you remember any of it um a little bit i remember uh scott is like goes home and I don't know like his 
mom's overdosed or something. Like something like he comes from a really, really bad fucking home life. And uh, it basically ends up that he ends up getting into some sort of adventure with the cop and there's drugs involved or something. Kid accidentally kills a bookie and the cop like covers it up for him. Cause no, they- so, so it ends with them sitting in the diner after like this all night thing. Frank might've even been one of those truant cops that was after him. Um, but like there's this thing that like takes all night and then um, Scott's an orphan at this point and uh, Frank uh was um he was like estranged from his family he had a wife and a daughter yeah. which was hinted at in which his apartment is stereotypical but yeah yeah um and they haven't talked to him in years or whatever that's why he never has any messages um so basically he uh after the whole big ordeal or whatever it was gonna be like a whole night of whatever he ends up back at the diner with the kid he buys him breakfast and it looks like um, he's gonna take the kid in like he's gonna adopt him or whatever Um, but that's like supposed to be left unsaid and the movie ends with here comes the sun and the set I would imagine that the the middle of like the third act it was essentially gonna be where you got that picture that I was describing to you of them at you know, sitting down at the diner and discussing something. No, well, that was the beginning shot. It was the first thing you saw, and then it was going to be oh, the last right. thing you saw. Well, yeah, it's the last thing you saw, but that's what I mean. Like, like the last part of the third act was going to be pretty much that scene with them talking, right? No, that was going to be just the last scene. It was the first oh. scene of them sitting there. See, I, the I pictured scene. more of a like a Pulp Fiction, you know, big long speech kind of thing. Where you see the the diner at the beginning, then you're there at the end, and that's when they have this big sit down. No, I don't know if there was going to be any talk because the the impression you left me with um, they weren't talking much. Yeah, in when you told me about the scene that you saw was that there wasn't talking. That yeah, they didn't need to at that point. Like they've yeah. been through shit. They looked like they had been through some stuff. Like they they, they, they were they were on a, a same wavelength. Right, there. and that was. The thing was, I was going to leave a lot of it unsaid. It actually sounds like it could be a good movie. Yeah. And this wasn't be. terrible. What were the? What was Amber? Oh, uh, Streets of Amber. Um, it was Amber, like how Amber traps insects. The idea is that the streets are made of Amber, and they trap the people mm-hmm. that are on the streets. Did you have any idea how you were going to explain that in the movie? No, I don't think I was going to explain it in the movie. It's hacky. I mean, I think, it's not really hacky. I think but the title stands on its own. I don't think anyone would come to that conclusion, though. I don't think it would matter. That's true. Not a lot of people know why it's called a Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I don't. And I should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, so I guess maybe that makes sense. Why is it called Reservoir Dogs? They're- Walk past a reservoir. Don't know. No. There's there's no reason. There's no reservoir. There's really no reason. The reservoir was Clockwork Orange. They walked past the reservoir. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. That's uh, that's it for another uh, quick speed read. Speed read. Yeah. Be sure to follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter at the Ferris House. Uh, listen to our other podcasts. Uh, Touche El Duche. We need to do stand up junkie. Shit. We've only done one of those. Fuck. Yeah. 
So yeah, follow us and uh, everything else you want to say? Yeah, I really want to go to Skips and get a fucking burger now. Yeah. Those kids eating those burgers made me want burgers. Well, we got to go to Skips and get a burger. You guys. Stay. No money, no hamburger. No. All right, that's it, guys. We'll see you around. Say goodbye, Sean. Goodbye, Trevor. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. <laughs> Fuck. Cut to black.